I spent the last three years learning from some of the most ingenious mergers and acquisition specialists around. And now I've decided to take the leap into buying businesses. The real questions are how will I do it? How much of the behind the scenes can we really show? And how can business owners like you maximize their purchase price and build generational wealth? This show is going to give you the answers. Join me and follow along as I share mine and other stories as we buy, sell, or merge healthcare businesses and physical therapy practices. I'm Dave Kittle, and this is The Dave Kittle Show. Hey, welcome back to The Dave Kittle Show. I am Dave Kittle, owner of Concierge Pain Relief Home Physical Therapy in New York City and the CEO of the Fieldmaker Group. We're currently speaking with practice owners about partnering or acquiring some or all of their practice. And today we have an awesome guest on the show, arguably the smartest and most experienced person in billing, coding, and revenue cycle management. That's something I said. That's not something the guest said. But today we're going to be talking with Bob Kowalik. We're going to bring him on in a second. We're going to be covering a bunch of different topics, but very kind of centralized around your the, the financial health of your practice, turning your billing process into a powerful business intelligence tool and maximizing your practice value through optimizing revenue cycle management. We're going to get into all of that and more. But first, Bob, welcome on. Thanks, Dave. Everyone, pleasure to be here. Appreciate you having me. Excellent. So for folks that don't know you or may not know you, I know you've been on Chad Madden's podcast. You've been at a lot of different conferences, APTA, PPS speaking, and, and you've been definitely known in the industry. But for anyone in my audience that doesn't know you, I know you're a physical therapist. You're a previous practice owner. Give a, yourself a little bit of a background from practice ownership and then now kind of over the years specializing in billing, coding, revenue cycle management, and helping private practice owners. Sure. So I started life as a, as a physical therapist working for a hospital system. After about seven years of that, went into private practice, started, uh, like I'm sure many of you, started with one employee and hoped to find patients. And we had a very unique way of getting new patients. Uh, I could talk about that if it's not necessarily directly related to revenue cycle, but it explains our scale, the, the, the scaling rate. We grew from startup to 10,000 visits a month in about four years. And so that process of just rapid scaling like that really taught me a lot about business in general and what it takes to actually scale a practice. Owned that practice for about 10 years, maybe a little bit longer Sold it to a big consolidator, which I know is a probably a bigger thing today than it was when I did it. And as you mentioned, you're looking to partner with practices in, in that respect as well. You know, helping them through you know coming together as in, as part of a bigger group. And I totally believe that that's a good strategy these days. And we can talk about that. But after exiting my practice, I and just point of interest, I did my own billing when I had my practice. So I had a team of about eight billers. And after selling, you typically lose control of your billing. Those people lose their jobs. They centralize that, which you and I've talked about, right? How we can yep. help you with that. And so I, I started this business way back when, essentially to prevent my team from losing their jobs. So I went to them and said, hey, how about we spin you off and start a little company and try to make a go of helping other practices do billing as well as we did. At the time, our main metric was we our bad debt percent was four one hundredths of one percent. Right. So 
on a million dollars in collectible money, we collected all but $400 of it. So we were very good at getting paid from insurances and from patients. So we thought we could add value and help other practices. And so we started off as a pretty traditional outsourced billing option in the model that all outsourced billing options are today, except for us, which is essentially charging a percent of revenue, a fixed percent of revenue. And we've evolved from that over time because of understanding the limitations of that structure um, into really an outcome-based provider of revenue cycle services and data and analytics. So it's been quite an evolution from traditional, everybody does stuff that we do to very, very unique, very, very niche, very, very uniquely focused. And that came from my inability to turn off my physical therapist brain as I went into the the billing business for, I don't look at it as a billing business today. It's really a, a, a a business intelligence data analytics through revenue cycle process optimization. But we um, you know, have evolved because I'm constantly looking for root causes of problems, really being much more analytical about why things happen the way that they happen, which is what physical therapists do, right? We don't just look at a person's diagnosis and say, okay, I know everything there is to know about you. You you go to work figuring that out and understanding why they have the pain, the limitations, whatever it is that you're seeing them for. Because if you're not addressing the root causes of problems, you're not going to be as effective. And I've just applied that same analytical logic that I can't turn off to the billing process. It's taken us into a, a very unique and different direction. So really quick for a a little bit of a marketing moment, the way you were able to scale from the first year to the fourth year, zero to 10,000 visits, I think just briefly, I think you mentioned it on another show or interview somewhere. Was that having to do with high schools and athletic trainers or something? Was that that it or am I thinking? Okay. No, that's exactly it. We, um, I thought it was critical to not just ask for patients from right at the time I was very, very dependent on referring uh, referrals from physicians. Direct access was not even much of a thing. It was uh, related to initial evaluations only, you know, for me at the time. So I wanted to be connected to the patient before the doctor got the patient. And so I put athletic trainers in every high school in three counties and we generated every kid that got hurt doing athletics. You know, our, our trainers triaged them and helped them on site when they could. And when they needed physical therapy, we became a distributor essentially to physicians that wanted to work with high school athletes and do outpatient sports medicine, orthopedics. So that's a different kind of relationship when you are supporting the doctor that you're trying to ask for support from. And so that's how we approached all of our relationships. And and it was very successful. Got it. Well, so now coming back to what you do now and with revenue cycle management, billing, coding, you said something in the pre-interview that made me think of the show on Netflix with Michael Keaton, he was in the movie Founder uh, about Ray Kroc and McDonald's and Ray Kroc eventually helped the McDonald brothers and then he grew it on his own. And the lawyer, I believe, for Ray Kroc at the time, early on in, in the company said, you know, Ray, you're not in the hamburger business. You're in the real estate business. And you said yeah. something in a pre-interview that physical therapy practice owners were not necessarily, even though we, we believe that we're in you know, the patient care business, but I think you phrase it more of like what we truly are is revenue cycle management 
companies or, or practices or businesses. So maybe we could start there as like a jumping off point. Yeah, perfect. So your practice is unique in that you have a concierge business that's, that's cash-based, right? That's so we're, we're about 60% out-of-network insurance billing with a biller. And then the folks that don't have out-of-network, we say, you know, it's here's how much out-of-pocket. That's about 40% where we, okay. you know, we, have it, we have everyone's card on, every payment card on file, everyone, but 40% where it's just completely 100% out-of-pocket. So the vast majority of practices in the country are dependent on third-party reimbursement for their existence. They don't have enough of their practice coming from cash-based services or out-of-network models. And that's something we could touch on as well as the strategic moves of changing structure to, to more out-of-network. Out but because of the dependency on third-party payment, you are all, if that's your practice, if you're not close to, if the third-party reimbursement is not the minority of your revenue, then you are a revenue cycle company that does physical therapy or occupational therapy, maybe some speech therapy. Do you perform your professional services for revenue? But you literally need to start thinking of yourselves as a revenue cycle management company. So let's define revenue cycle for a second, just for so that everybody kind of you know can understand terminology here. Revenue cycle is everything that impacts if when, and how much you're paid. So if you think about that for a second, if, okay, so me, that means there's a chance I won't be paid. Yes, that's true. When, how long does it take me to get paid? And how much, right? What's the value of my services gonna be ultimately? All those three things are part of your revenue cycle um, and revenue cycle management. So if you think about that, it's clinical documentation, it's patient registration, it's provider credentialing, it's insurance credentialing, it's, you know, verification of benefits, it's authorization management, it's billing, right? So billing is not synonymous with revenue cycle management. It is one process that's part of a revenue cycle management um, um, business model, okay, which cuts through every, just about every single function that exists within your practice. So if you think about all those things, credentialing providers, credentialing payers, credentialing locations, clinical documentation, how that creates coding essentially, verification of benefits, patient registration, authorizations, billing, all these things, that's your whole practice, right? It's not the clinical interaction with your patient but it's how you convert that clinical, clinical interaction into cash, right? So if you're a 100% cash, you just get paid like the rest of the world, <laughs> pretty much most businesses, I do something, I get paid. You know, in healthcare, you do something and you might get paid. And you might get paid two weeks from now or two months from now or never, right? And you might get, you get paid a different amount from this payer than you do from that payer, right? And so because that's the reality that we're in, that that's what revenue cycle management is. It's dealing with all of those things that impact if, when, and how much you're paid. So the first challenge that I have to the industry today is that you really need to start thinking about your business and approaching your business and structuring your business and operating your business as a revenue cycle company. And what you do for revenue is physical therapy, occupational therapy, et cetera. So it, it's a critical distinction because 
when you understand all of that, you start to just look at things a little bit differently, right? And this is the way that I've kind of evolved into what we're doing today. It's not doing physical therapy with a biller in the background, billing related tasks and hoping that it all works out, right? There's a lot more that can be done that puts you in greater control. And and in today, today's environment of decreasing reimbursement, increasing costs, margins are being squeezed, which means valuations are under pressure. You really need to uh, look at every every way available to you to maximize revenue, minimize costs, which essentially means maximize efficiency and operate in a way that contributes value to your practice. And what we're going to talk a lot about is how the billing process is so underutilized today as a, as a tool to maximize the value of your practice, how your revenue cycle processes are not really operating in a way that maximizes their contribution to the value of your practice. So it's a very different mindset. And just, I don't know, my apologies if I, if I didn't ask, but can you just tell the audience your company? I know you've done a, a couple of different things over the years, but in terms of, and if, you know, find out where they can uh, learn about you, we'll put the links in the show notes, but is this uh, Revenue Cycle Solutions? Or I know you were with Certified Reimbursement Solutions, but I think that based off your LinkedIn head, you had either sold it or, or left the company at some point. No, so we just changed the name. So we were, the, the name changes over years reflected our evolutionary state, right? We started off reimbursement specialists, which was really the mindset of, of a billing company. Then we became certified reimbursement solutions. So we were a bit more solutions-based and the certifications had to do with CPC status and things like that for billers. And then, you know, revenue cycle solutions became really the focus for the past four or five years because we're really focused on everything that's part of the revenue cycle, not just the billing piece. So it's just been name changes over the years. It's the same entity. There is a revenue cycle solutions company out there that's a very, very large multi provider revenue cycle company. Um, so if you just Google revenue cycle solutions, chances are, that's what would come up. And, but if you, if you Google certified reimbursement solutions, you probably would find us. Um, and then our evolution into data and analytics and converting billing into a business intelligence tool caused me to create a proprietary platform that we, we use in conjunction with the billing process to produce data. That is one of a kind data, but yet very critical to supporting revenue cycle objectives. And so I've done that development in a separate company called Ascend Solutions because that's a software business is a different business than a services business, but they're joined at the hip and, and related and, and codependent. So they can find us either way. Got it. As we get kind of deeper, what are some of just the higher level challenges that you've seen owners deal with, whether they're considering to work with you guys or they start working with you and you guys are providing them with like maybe an introductory assessment or an audit to see, are you guys even going to be the right fit for each other? Do you see whether it's in-house billing or outsource, whatever it might be, like a delay in claims, like they're a delay in that, them actually getting billed and, and submitted, maybe folks that are internal if it's done in-house and they're not trained properly, what are just some of the, like the initial challenges that you see practice owners dealing with now that really affect 
their cash flow. To, it affects their margin of like how much they're actually getting reimbursed and, and when, or if at all, based on coding. I mean, there's like a myriad of things. So what are some of the, the higher level challenges that you see practice owners living with or performing and maybe not even knowing it, but shooting themselves in the foot? Yeah. So that is the big question. So let, let me start while answering that by making sure that everyone understands what the objectives of revenue cycle are. They're universal objectives. Every revenue cycle business doesn't matter whether you're physical therapy, a doctor practice, Cairo, it just doesn't matter. If you're a revenue cycle company of three objectives, number one, get paid everything your structure allows. And that that's an important thing to understand is that different structures result in different opportunities for payment, right? Out-of-network practices have better potential revenue than in-network practices generally, okay? And you can't just snap your fingers and go out-of-network. There's a lot that goes into that. So number one objective is get paid everything your structure allows. Now, structure is more than your business model, whether you're out-of-network or in-network. It's your schedule structures. You see patients for 30 minutes or 40 minutes or 60 minutes, right? What your payer mix is, is a big part of your structure. How much are you Medicare versus auto or workers comp or Medicare Advantage is very different than Medicare and Medicaid HMOs are very different than Medicaid. So your payer mix is all a big part of your structure. So number one objective, get paid everything your structure allows. Number two, get paid as quickly as possible. And that's has a whole bunch of things connected to that. But then number three is accomplish the first two things. Get all your money as quickly as possible, as cost-effectively as you can, right? Which means as efficiently as you can. So the challenges that today are largely based in the efficiency piece of that. What we've determined and statistically proven with more data than anyone has on this subject is that every single thing that goes on within a practice that negatively impacts the billing process efficiency is a revenue risk. It's a risk to the first two objectives. There are two sides of the same coin. The efficiency of your revenue cycle and the effectiveness of your revenue cycle are two sides of the same coin. You can't have one or the other. You need both all the time. Right. And the thing is, is that what people do, what human beings do, and we could even go down the AI path and <laughs> talk about maybe its implications on, on revenue cycle. But what human beings do is they spend their time. And so all the challenges that we see in physical therapy, private practice can be quantified through looking at their impact, documenting, quantifying, analyzing the impact of whatever it is on the time required to produce the outcome that you want. So two out of the three objectives are pretty straightforward. Get me all the money fast. That's two objectives, right? In order to have that, you have to have a billing operation that is super efficient. And the, the degree to which your billing operation is inefficient is directly impacting your other two objectives. Now, you can directly, yes, you directly measure, well, how much money did I get and how long did it take me to get it? But if you want to change those two things, you have to really be focused on the things that create inefficiency in the billing process. In order to do that, you have to look at time in a whole different way. It's not the time that it takes 
that's your time card for payroll. It's very detailed understanding of time, where it goes, time distribution, and the things that impact time in the billing process. And so when I say we've converted the billing process into a BI tool, business intelligence tool, that's exactly what we've done. We know where every minute goes, and we've been able to identify every single thing that operationally, structurally impacts the amount of time it takes to get billing done. So the pain points, the headaches in billing or in, in private practice today can all be quantified by their impact on billing time. So everything that decreases your revenue or inflates your time to get paid will show itself in your billing process. So what we've been doing now for, we've been uh, tracking time to the minute by task. We break the billing process down into 29 different tasks. And that might sound crazy, but that's what you got to do. And we have, we know every minute spent in every task for about the past eight years. It's millions and millions of minutes on millions and millions of claims. For about the last year and a half, we've been now quantifying every single thing that caused that billing time to be inflated. We do this through a tool that we've built, a software uh, application that we've built. And we now have a million claims that we've tracked all the incidents of things that cause revenue risks. So a million claims is a pretty good data set. And what we found is that we've been able to quantify and break down that distribution of, of risks to your revenue, which, which we quantify by time inflation and billing. So hopefully that kind of makes sense. So we've got our three objectives, get all the money quickly, efficiently, cost-effectively. But we're using the efficiently piece to understand the, the negative impacts on the revenue piece. They are two sides of the same coin. You cannot separate those two. And so since people spend their time, understanding how all this is working is really all about understanding time. And so we've gone way, way down the line in a very unique way to truly understand time, how it's spent, where it's spent, the distribution of time, and all of the things that impact the time. And it took creating an entire software platform that didn't exist in order to do that. But that's created a very interesting perspective on what goes on in the physical therapy private practice world. So revenue cycle management essentially is creating balance between billing time demand and billing time supply. If you're in balance there, if the amount of billing time it takes to get you your money quickly is in balance with the time that you have, then life is good. The problems come from when conditions um, create an imbalance where demand exceeds supply. So for example, let's say you didn't credential any of your therapists and you're in network with everybody. And I'm giving you kind of a crazy example, but just to make the point, you would have a whole lot of denials due to credentialing. Let's say you never got an authorization when you needed authorizations. You would have a whole lot of denials due to authorizations. You can imagine the difference between getting an authorization and getting paid. The time investment it takes to do that is a fraction of the time it takes to go and get a retroactive authorization to appeal the authorization, get reconsiderations. You could spend three to five hours on a, on a claim without an authorization. Whereas if you had it, it just happens, right? So 
we're quantifying every single thing that happens operationally and structurally that creates extra time demand, which puts that time demand, time supply balance in jeopardy. Where practices struggle is when the time it takes to give them the outcome that they want, just it's too much for the way that their billing operation is staffed. So the problem is universal. The problem is complexity in the revenue cycle process that in some part is preventable and in some part not. But there's a lot of things that add to complexity in revenue cycle. And the more complex the revenue cycle, the more time consuming it is to get paid. And so what ultimately what we're really trying to do is understand all of the drivers of revenue cycle complexity. Because if I was, you know, Einstein, I created a formula and complexity would be kind of like, you know, if there's a direct relationship and, it, and it's a, it's an exponential increase in time required, depending upon the complexity that exists. So we got to look for where all these sources of complexity lie. I can tell you that with a million claims worth of data right now, 68% of all avoidable complexity is caused by the practice. It's caused by the way that you manage patient registration, verification of benefits, authorizations, credentialing, how billing, how therapist time is converted into coding and units and all those kinds of things. So when we look at all the things that create more time demand on billing process, 68% of them are preventable. They're operational. So you can look at that as, I choose to look at it as opportunity for improvement, right? 23% of the complexity is caused by your payers. And that comes from different, you know, you all know that it's more complicated to get paid by a Medicare Advantage plan than it is by regular Medicare. It's just one example, right? But payers, payers make mistakes too. They tell you you don't need an authorization when you did. And so you treated the patient without an authorization. And then what do you do on your, when your first ERA or EOB comes in denied for no authorization? And you go, what the heck? They told me I didn't need one. And, and then you go to fight with the payer over that. Well, how you do authorizations, what you captured, what, what did you document? All of that's going to support either make that easier or, or more difficult in order to overturn that decision. But payers make mistakes. The other 9% is caused by your systems. What software are you in? What software is the billing being done through? What clearinghouse are you using? All billing softwares are not created equal. In fact, they're created incredibly unequally in terms of efficiency. I can tell you that certain software platforms in the industry can take up to 10 times as long to do billing in than others. Certain clearinghouses are much more time consuming and they don't contribute to efficiency as well as others. So what we've seen, I'm sorry, the billing softwares can inflate time by a factor of 5x. The entire revenue cycle complexity picture can cause one practice to take 10 times as much time to get billing done as another. And that literally is the case. And, and the data we have, that's what, what, that's what drove me to do what we've done. Because as I went out to say, well, we were really, really good at billing. I would like to help practices with that. 
the complexity in getting that done had just tremendous variance from one practice to another. And so we've spent years now breaking down why it takes so much longer in some cases than others. And that that's what it breaks down to. 68% practice performance and revenue cycle functions that they do day in and day out, 23% on their payers, 9% on their systems. And we are trying to collect enough data to go about changing how revenue cycle is actually done. You, It's true that every revenue cycle function there is, okay, clinical documentation, patient registration, authorizations, right? I can go down the list, credentialing, uh, verification of benefits. All these functions directly impact the time it takes to get billing done. Go ask your biller what they encountered today that actually slowed them down, that caused them to have to take extra steps, spend extra time. They'll have a list for you. We've just developed a, a platform that the biller, as they're doing their task, um, every time they encounter something that caused them to have to spend more time, take extra steps, go fix a problem, in a three to five second time investment, literally three clicks, we're able to capture that scenario, how many claims are affected by it. And so this is what we've done. We now know how long it takes to fix every possible scenario. We're, we're quantifying 250 different ways the claims are broken. And so we've converted that billing task into a very powerful BI tool. And that data now can be used to look back at operations and performance on tasks and things that are outside of billing that really need to be optimized in order to make billing very efficient in order to get you all your money as quickly as possible. So I can break down the problems that we see, all that kind of stuff. The vast majority, or not vast majority, but the number one biggest issue that we see is inaccuracy in patient registration, missing data or inaccurate data. Big problem. You know, which, break down which, which is all which all within the practice. So going back uh, 100% to hundred percent in the practice, yes. Going back to the sixty-eight percent of complexity coming from the practices billing or revenue cycle management steps or processes and systems, nine percent complexity coming from your systems, which you said could be your EMR, your medical record system, whatever it might be. So that's yeah, that's seventy percent of complexity could be improved inside of your practice because of the complexity, oftentimes without maybe knowing so. And in the industry, if we were in a, you know, if we were at a conference right now, most practice owners would say more about the insurance. And you're saying that it really only accounts for about 23% of complexity, which it is what it is. You, you know, those payers and they pay at different amounts or they deny at different rates or they reimburse at different dollar amounts. And those things are, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, those things with payers, I think are pretty much out of our hands, but practice owners have 70% of the complexity that could actually be optimized or improved. So there's a lot of opportunity there, 77%, uh, as opposed to thinking it's all about the insurance and it's things that are out of our hands. Exactly right. You're paying good attention, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) I'm taking um, notes. So we track these things in terms of incidence rates, volume, numbers of problems, and then the time cost of the issue. Okay, so when I say 68%, is internal to the practice, the revenue cycle functions, that's the time cost. 
the practices actually cause 78% of the, of the problems by volume. The payers cause 8% of, of problems by volume, but 23% of the problem in terms of time cost. And since we're, we're trying to balance time demand and time supply, it's the time cost that really matters the most. So those two data points right there tell you that the amount of time cost connected to a payer error is triple the amount of time cost of an internal practice error. The practices cause the vast majority of the problems and still 68% of the time but the payers, the nature of those problems cause a lot more time in order to fix them if they're fixable. So that's because the, the practice owner or the admin or the billing people are chasing after and following up on claims, right? Yep. Yep. So 29% of all claims. So this is our data set, right? And you may, your practice may be, you know, different, but I'm so that you could essentially take this. This is practices across about 30 states. So this is kind of like national data. Okay, 29.22% of all claims are affected by a preventable time inflation issue. Okay, so those 29 or, you know, call it 30% of your claims will consume the majority of your biller's time trying to deal with those things. So, you know, different claims have very different life cycles. Some go right straight from submitting to pay to payment. And some go kind of there with maybe an extra stop or two. And some literally go like all over the place in this crazy thing and maybe end up getting paid and sometimes even never being paid. So we're quantifying the time investment cost to fix every single problem that breaks a claim. And nobody's doing that. But I believe that's what needs to be done in order to really solve an industry level problem. The other cool thing that where we're taking this is so because we know that 23% of the time cost is on the payer, we are collecting data on the incidence rates of payer errors. And we're, we're working on creating an algorithm that essentially spits out for us a payer complexity rating. So you've made a comment. You said, well, the payers are not really things that you can, you can affect. Yes and no. So I believe that we're underpaid as an industry. When you look at the outsourcing of that Medicare is doing to Medicare Advantage, you know, payers, Medicaid's doing to Medicaid HMOs, the reimbursement is down and the complexity is way up. And so for you to look at your structure, here's a general rule of thumb. Your revenue per visit minus your cost per visit is your profit per visit times the number of visits per plan of care determines what the net value of a new patient is to your practice. You need to know that number. You should be looking at that all the time. Net value of a new patient. Revenue per visit minus cost per visit times the number of visits. If the revenue per visit is below your cost per visit, which in many cases it is, the more visits you have, the more money you lose for that patient, right? So I'm looking at this strictly from a finance perspective, which is kind of cold, hard finance. It's not, we treat patients for more than just the money, but the money determines whether how long you can stay in business, right? So we want to maximize that net value of a new patient. So our focus areas for any PT private practice are maximize revenue per visit, 
And you might think that I'm crazy because everybody's trying to pay you less. And that's true. I can give you some data on what's changed over the past few years in terms of reimbursement, but we can go there if you want, Dave. The cost per visit's going up, right? We have inflation. We've got other things. Who's our physical therapist asking for less money today than they were five years ago? I, I don't think so. Um, so your costs are being driven up, your revenue is being driven down, and that determines what your margin is. So you have to ask if my margin is not good enough, what are my, what's available to me to increase margin? You want to look at your revenue side and say, well, is there any way I can raise that revenue per visit? Is my cost per visit too high? Can I lower my cost per visit? And once you have the right balance between revenue per visit and cost per visit, the exercises then is, well, how many visits do I get? And payers, your payer mix is maybe the biggest variable in your practice that affects revenue per visit, number of visits per plan of care, and indirectly your cost of getting paid. So we're looking at all these variables and and trying to come up with math models for what makes sense. When you look at one of the main structures of your practice is your payer mix, you know, if your margin is not big enough, you don't have enough separation between revenue per visit and cost per visit, and you can't get your costs down and you can't get that revenue piece up, then you've got to look at changing your structure. You got to look at changing your payer mix. So you can your complexity by changing your payer mix structure. And it has to be on the table, I, I believe, these days for every practice owner. But you don't just go and change your payer mix. You have to understand your data. You have to know how all these things are either supporting your efforts or, or detracting from them. So there are many, many you know, data points. And so we're, we're very data heavy and we, we use the relationship we have through billing to really provide a very comprehensive view of data on the entire practice, not just the billing piece, but the, the, whole, the whole practice. And that's where practices need to be operating today. It is so much more complex today that your sophistication level in terms of data and analytics and understanding your practice really has to go up. Hey, sorry for the abrupt ending. Bob and I spoke for 74 minutes approximately, and that was the first 40 minutes. So that's part one. Tune into the next episode here on the Dave Kittle Show, part two. Bob and I continue to talk about billing, coding, revenue cycle management, reimbursement, payments, structures, and business models for your physical therapy practice. We talk a lot more. Check out part two in the near future as it comes out. Again, I'm Dave Kittle. This is the Dave Kittle Show. And we are speaking with practice owners about partnering or acquiring some or all of their practice. So if you are on the fence, if you are looking to potentially develop some type of an exit strategy or a succession plan, whatever that might be, feel free to reach out to me. Find me on LinkedIn. You can uh, find me at the email at the end of this episode. And we'll catch you next time here on the Dave Kittle Show. Thank you. Hey, it's Dave Kittle. Are you a healthcare business owner or physical therapy practice owner who is looking to figure out your succession plan or exit strategy? We might be able to help. And in fact, we may be interested in acquiring your practice. If you're interested, you can reach out to me. Shoot me an email at dave at conciergepainrelief.com. That's D-A-V-E at C-O-N-C-I-E-R-G-E, painrelief.com or You can call me at any time, 646-781-8884.